Hey guys, Ryan DeMent from Chasing Happiness Podcast. I hope you guys are having a great day. This week on the podcast, we have Dwight Heck, and we're going to do a little bit of a twist on the introduction. He likes to help people live life with purpose, not by accident, but his brand, Give a Heck. Dwight, welcome to the show. Hi, Ryan, brother. How are you today? I cannot complain. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to our conversation, especially after our last one we had, which was very eventful. It was. So tell the listeners a little bit about your background, then we'll get into your uh, journey. Sure. Um, I've been in the financial services industry. This is my 20th year. Prior to that, I had a computer consulting firm as well as a retail computer store. Um, I've been an entrepreneur all the way back to as early as I guess 12 years of age and people may chuckle at that but I was a paper boy I was a guy or girls both obviously did that chore I'd go out and deliver the paper I'd have to collect the money I'd have to make sure that I paid the, the paper company for the papers I had to go and have people hide behind a curtain and not answer the door because they owed this little 12 year old boy money and couldn't afford to pay me. So I learned the harsh realities of dealing with customers already at that young of age. And plus my dad, very successful seven figure entrepreneur himself. Um, at that age, I had to start working for him in the summers. I had to learn, you know what, if you want stuff in life, you have to work hard for it. I got the basics, you know, roof over my head, um, food, clothing, but anything I wanted outside of that already at that age, my dad would say, you want it, go earn it. All right. And then as well, we have a family business and you have to work in it. You have to work and your friends can have the summers off, but sorry, you need to come work. I need your help. And, you know, I, I think I look back at that time, Ryan, in my life and I think to myself, you know, I was bitter back then as a kid because who wouldn't be? I wanted to be out with my friends. I wanted to be at the lake. I wanted to be going on the holidays. But it taught me the, the value of that work and, and supporting family and, you know, just pushing forward in life is going to get you what you want. The only thing my dad struggled with was the balance of the family side. So fast forward to me getting into the computer industry. I graduated from electronics engineering in my country uh, I got a, from a technical college and I started a computer company and I became that workaholic that my dad was. And I, you know, started having health issues over that decade that I was doing it. And part of it was because I didn't know when to switch it off. Right. I was with my family, but was I with my family? And a lot of people today, what I mean by that is we can be present at an event, whether it's family related or business related or with friends. And are you really present? Or are you thinking about what you should be doing? Are you thinking about the fact that you'd rather be anywhere else? Are you actually happy? Are you present with those people? Are you enjoying the creation of those memories? And I wasn't. And I ended up having some severe health issues. Got into the financial industry. I was a six-figure earner at that time, but yet I was broke all the time. I had more months than money. I was on that hamster wheel of life. I was not living a life on purpose. I was living it by accident because the most simplest things in life that were not taught as children was not being taught to me. And, and it isn't still today. And that's understanding your flows of money that if you are, you know, have a dollar and you're spending a dollar 20, 
that consistency is going to get you behind the eight ball and you're going to be in a lot of trouble. You're not going to be able to live a life on purpose. So I had the pleasure of having a mentor. He's been a mentor of mine now for over 30 years. He helped me get into the electronics industry. He helped me get into the finance industry and so many more other things. And the reason I bring up that to your listeners is that having somebody coach and mentor you, having somebody in your corner that is there for the specific purpose of you to help you and not want anything from you is rare, but it is out there. And I've been blessed to have that in my life. So I got into the finance industry, um, you know, worked my tail off, didn't really like what I was being taught. I fired my trainer after about six weeks, didn't like the fact that he was transactional based. And, you know, transactional based people is somebody that's just, you know, you're going into a store, you're buying something, you go up to the till, you pay for it, that's a transaction. There's no real communication, there's no real building of a relationship. Well, in my industry, that is prevalent in the world, not just Canada or US, North America in general, it's the world. People are always transactional based. And you ask yourself, well, why, are, why is that? It's because people aren't taught how to, remember I already said they aren't taught how to understand the rules of the money game. They're not taught how to understand the rules of relationships and how to build relationships. So after I fired my trainer, I started focusing on what would I want? What would I want out of life as a person? How would I want to be treated? I would be a person that's asked, you know what, Dwight, how did you get into this circumstance? What's gone on in your life that's helped you get into a place where you're on this hamster wheel and you can't seem to escape and you have more months than you have money and it's consistent, yet you're making some good cash. And, you know, just actually caring and finding out and, and goal setting and figuring out what do I want? What do I want just for today? Everybody worries about a year, five, 10 years from now, but what do you want for today? What do you want for your tomorrow? And I'm back to what I was saying. And then today, when I, am I living in the present? And yes, it's a lot, but guess what? When you start working on yourself, you can get to a point where you live in the present more often than you don't. And that's what I ended up doing. I learned how to goals, budget. I learned how to help my clients from the youngest individuals to corporations learn how to plan, you know, just live life on purpose because so many people aren't living a life on purpose. And then they're frustrated. They bring that tension home. They go to bed in quiet desperation. They get up in quiet desperation. They live the day in quiet desperation. And 99% of failures in people's lives when it comes to emotional and physical strife is tied back to money in some way, shape, or form. And as the last thing that I'll finish this off with is that money has no personality, yet we give it personality, right? Money is just a tool to wield, but we're never taught how to wield that tool properly. And that's what's been my mission with Give a Heck and, you know, in the finance and lifestyle coaching for the last 20 years is to people are people. They're not a trend. Action. Does it mean I don't do transactions? Absolutely, I do. That's after I get to know the people and that's after I get to um, understand where they've come from and give them some advice and direct them to different people depending on their on their trauma because sometimes it's their financial traumas cause so many other addiction issues, right? So it's been a it's been quite the journey. I've been enjoying it. It's helped me stay level, helped a lot of other people stay level, and I, I'm gonna do it till the last day I take a breath. 
it's uh, it's an amazing journey in life and in how we actually handle things. Um, and we've become a society to where if you can't get that instant gratification, then we're not going to do the hard work to get to where you need to be. Um, and I had a I had a guest on several months ago, and he described it very well. We have campers and we have climbers in life. Campers are the ones that are comfortable, and the climbers are the ones that are willing to go through that pain of change or or failure, whatever that case is. But they're willing to fight for it. And tying that all back into what you're talking about, money. Money is is a it, to me is a commodity. It, it, it is truly that. But when you ask, unfortunately, younger generations what's more valuable time or money nine out of ten times money and they don't realize time is the most valuable commodity that we have because you cannot get it back two the other piece of it is we're limited on the time that we're on the face of this earth so you can go file bankruptcy you can get yourself in debt and you can get your money back but you can't get your time back and i I struggle with that aspect when I talk to individuals and people in my coaching groups or my coaching sessions to where they think money is the most valuable thing. And it's, it, it all boils down to this work ethic and the ability for instant gratification instead of delaying that gratification in working yourself through um, your process. And that's entrepreneurship in, in itself. Absolutely. It is. And it's unfortunate though, that, People live in a world of instant gratification, but you know, really, let's let's really think about this. What constantly drives that in people? Everything they see and hear, from music to the movies yes. to television to their friends and family wanting to keep up with the Jones or the Smiths next door or a sibling, line. right? I love it. Right, right. The sibling. Yeah. Well, even even you talking about the climbers, I I coach on that all the time about camping and climbing. I love it. We have a well. I knew before when we talked, we have a lot of the commonality, yeah. you and I. But you know, it's just at the end of the day, I'd be lying if I said I never ever had that feeling of wanting instant gratification. I was on a we podcast. I was on a podcast where they were talking about the fact. Well, you know, why do you only like a used vehicle? Like I, I, we got into talking about money and budgeting and I said, well, my vehicle I had 285,000 kilometers on it uh, or somewhere around there. And, you know, the engine blew right during the pandemic, November. I had to go on holidays two weeks later. It was tough getting vehicles, but if I really wanted one, I have enough connections. I could have gotten a vehicle brand new off the lot. I bought something that was four years old and people go, what did you do that for? Because I said, I don't like, A, I don't like the fact driving off and having depreciation. B, I like the fact that I know I can pay it off in a few months, right? And I don't need that. It's it's a tool. It's isn't. I don't need to impress the neighbors or my family. I need status. to get from point A to point B. But yes. at one time, I did have that statusitis. I did have that issue. I wanted to, I, and I went through, I went through a period of time where I had a new vehicle. I keep it right? For a couple of years and I get another new vehicle and then it compounds and your payment, you know, you, you flip one lo loan into the next loan because, oh, it's only four or 500 a month or 800, whatever, however fancy a vehicle you get. But at the end of the day, you know, I didn't need it. Oh, you can write off the payment part of it with your business. You can do this, you can do that. Yeah, but it's still a waste. I don't need to waste money to impress anybody. I need to impress me. I need to utilize things in life that are a positive tool to continue the climb, right? Not to impress others because at the end of the day, 
how many people are going to be at my funeral that I was trying to impress? Like, let's be real. None. None. Right. So you it may know, sound so, harsh. I'm sorry if I'm if not no, trying no, to be no, a downer. No. You know, I'm just I, trying to be I, real. I love it. I, I love it because ultimately, um, I had another guest on the show and he talked about it and he says the only way we're going to find a way to get better in life is to write our own eulogy. And when that, when he said that, I was like, okay, I get it, but we got to go into more detail. And it's like, he actually read his on, on his episode, majority of it. And it, it was around what he wanted to accomplish in life or what he accomplished in life. And that ultimately started him in a process of being able to find the things that he wanted to do in life that were not instant gratification. There was a lot of work involved, but it, I had never heard that before. So that was the very first time I heard that. I did like, mine in it, 2003. Wow. So, I mean, that's, <laughs> that's, that's cool. I mean, it, but I got coached, not, I got coached to do it. Yeah. So, I mean, there's not many people talking about it and it's, it all boils down to one thing is how bad do you want life? And if you don't want to put the work in, in, in time and effort in, you're just going to be one of those campers. And, and the thing that we talk about on the podcast is how hard is it going to be to fix that comfortable life that you're in versus the new life? And to me, they're mm -hmm. both difficult because when that comfortable breaks, let's say, let's use you as an example, your car, the, the engine blew up with 285,000 kilometers on it. Well, guess what? You could have gone back and said, hey, you know what? We'll just live this life and we'll see what we can do and we'll, we'll go buy a car and I'll have a $400 a month payment. No, you decided to make a change and say, okay, I'm going to find something that is affordable, one, and two, I can pay it off in a short period of time, or three, pay cash for it. Most people would just go out and say, forget it, and go get a brand new car off the lot and, and get, unfortunately, screwed from it and be stuck with a $500 a month nut. And in the States, the average new car payment today, as of through May, was $563. Wow, I didn't realize it was that high. That's almost six hundred bucks a month that you're seventy two hundred dollars a year you're paying on a on a car note. Um, and in the states, unfortunately, there's this. It, it, I grew up in the auto industry, so I, I keep an eye on all this. Um, there's a secondary market, and I digress. Uh, of so individuals couldn't afford or couldn't put down enough money to finance their vehicle. So what happens is you have that that secondary or the gap, the, the gap financing that's out there to where let's say your car is 20, your car is 20, $25,000 and it's not truly worth 25. That's what you're paying for. It's worth 20,000. Well, you can't come up with an extra 5,000 bucks. So what's going to happen. Someone's going to put a second on your car finance you for the $5,000 difference. And then now you've got a first on your car and a second on your car. That industry wow. blew up over this time of COVID and everything so forth and still blowing up. It's a two and a half billion dollar industry that's only been around 18 months. Two and a half billion vehicles, dollars. How many vehicles are on the road today? And, and I have clients that laugh at me. Within three, four years, they're not, you owe more than the vehicles even worth. And yeah. sometimes it's even quicker depending on the type of vehicle you buy. So they're they're rolling around in, a, in an asset that is worth less than it, it's it's just like a home though, 
and th- well, this could be a whole podcast because I've been this is my 20th year doing this. A home isn't an asset. People don't get that either. Because if you don't need if you don't need to live in your house and you can sell it and just walk away with the money and still have someplace to live, then that's an asset. But if you're living in something that you need to have over your head and you got to repair it and you got to maintain it and you got expenses, that's not an asset. Banks are kind to say your house is an asset because they like the fact that if you default on stuff, they can take it. They get it back. Yeah. Yeah. But it's not an asset for us. It really isn't. So, but vehicles for sure aren't an asset. It's a rolling depreciating liability going down the road that you have to constantly maintain. Yes. And it's, it's gotten so out of control because people during the pandemic were, uh, they had FOMO, fear of missing out. And I, I, I saw so many stories of people here in the States, and I'm sure it's similar in Canada. You know, you have invoice, what the what the dealership pays. There's back of invoice, which many people don't understand. And then now you have sticker and you have MSRP. Well, most dealerships here in the States were going above the MSRP and putting plus 15, plus 20, you know, whatever they were putting on there, there was, there was really no rhyme or reason. Uh, and I saw people paying 60, $70,000 for a vehicle that was worth maybe 35 or 40 half. I, I don't get that. They were doing that here too. Um, my, my, uh, one of my daughter's fiancés bought a Bronco. So he brought it September of 2021, waited, waited, brand waited, new. finally got it, bought it brand new. Excuse me. He's going to turn around now. I was just talking to him. He's going to flip it and make 20 grand more because the used market industry in Canada is so high because there's not enough new vehicles hitting the lots. The new vehicles coming in because I have friends that that run two different dealerships. The trailers coming in with cars, they're already sold. They're getting backed off and leaving there. And some of those, it's been a year. I had a friend that's mad because he got a, a 2021 model of his vehicle that he had been waiting for it finally come it's 2021 and he's mad at the dealership i said well what do you expect you bought a 2021 they couldn't deliver it because of lack of you know parts whatever chips you got it you got what you ordered you can be mad all you want but you either accept the fact and go oh my gosh i have gratitude i'm grateful i got a vehicle other people have been waiting even longer than me but everybody just has to, they either got a bitch and complain. They're never happy. Right. It's just yeah. sad. And they, and they, and they wonder why they don't uh, get what they want. I mean, your inner has to match your outer. And if it doesn't, then it never does. I mean, the, the things I'm always thankful for every single morning when I wake up is my family, uh, a roof over my head, clothes on my back, food on my table and brushing my teeth. I, I had people yeah. laugh at me. I, I took somebody through my gratitude exercise and I said, yeah, I, I have gratitude that I have arms so I can brush my teeth and I can, you know, I can pick things up. I can play with my grandkids. I can prepare food. I can, I have gratitude for feet. And they go, what do you mean? Well, without your walk. feet, you can't. Yeah, yeah, I can plant myself and then my legs allow me to walk. Yes. Right? How many people in this planet don't have that? And people go, oh, I never thought about it. And it's not because these people are bad. I used to be no. like that. It's education, yeah. it's knowledge, it's compassion, it's caring. And and, and when I talk just, to people and I coach them, I say, you know what? It's okay that you haven't been this way. I had to learn. I'm just, And now I'm a vessel. I'm a servant to teach you, to help you so you can l- climb and live life on purpose. And it, it, life isn't as complicated as everybody makes it, is it, Ryan? 
No, it is not. It's just a, it's a shift in mindset and you have to be will. it's, I boil it down to this is you have to be hungry for life. And if you're not, if you're not hungry, you're going to stay where you're at. That's fine. But you are right. I mean, all the little tiny things in life that we take advantage of, we should be thankful of. I mean, one of the things I joke about people, I am very thankful for running water. You can go to many countries around the <laughs> yeah, world and exactly. you're not going to have running water. I mean, come on. I mean, even uh, my sister lives in a rural part of the state of Washington and she's on, um, she has a well and I'm even thankful for that because guess what? Otherwise she wouldn't have running water. So when I go up there, uh, I'm like, Oh God, thank God for your well. How much water you got in there? I want to make sure, you know, I can take a shower, you know, and I'm thankful yeah. for a shower. I'm just so thankful for the little things in life. It's, it's. Isn't your uh, stress less though? The more gratitude you have and gratefulness, it, it right? sure I helps. suffer from it. I suffer from anxiety. It helps a ton. The more and more gratefulness I have during the day. And, and you know what the, the thing that comes out of that is when I have a failure in the day, like something goes wrong and it's going to, it potentially can set it off. I have to back up and say, what am I grateful for? And I look at some of the things that I'm grateful for, or I, I, I look for something new that I haven't picked up on in a while and say, Oh crap, I need to be thankful for that. And it's amazing how it can shift your mindset and get you back into where you need to get, you know, back on the horse to fix that problem. Because ultimately that problem potentially could derail us and then everything goes awry. But if you kind of reset yourself and understand where you're at, it actually helps you get over things. I mean, I, the best way I know to describe it is, I, I say this is my joke is I got to put my big boy pants on and, and I got to keep on moving. And the only way to do that is reset your mind and say, okay, it's, it's time to get over it. You had your pity party move forward. And you know what, one of the things that, that I've had a lot of success for my own life that I learned and, and I, you know, educate and coach others about is stop telling yourself that you have a bad day. I never tell myself that any ever, nobody ever hears me say that. And they'll say, well, oh, did you have it? Oh, you're going through something or you had something. Yeah, I had a bad moment. And then that moment, like you said, like I, have, I have my pity party. I accept it. I coach people. Everybody's time frame is different, how long it takes to get out of that pity party. And I have a defined time. I stop working usually if I get into that funk because I'm not effective. I'm not doing... My customers, if I'm working on a customer file or I'm working on preparing for something, whatever it is, a speech, a talk, I'm not there. I'm not present, just like we were talking about. So I time myself out. You know, as a kid, we hate time out. As an adult, I like time out. <laughs> time out helps me. Time help. Time out helps me check my check my it's a check and balance, right? So I literally time myself out and I tell myself, okay, this is what we gotta do. And I, and listeners, I'll tell you right now, the biggest problem is, is when people, even if you can get to a point where you say you're having a bad moment, not a bad day, what do most people do? They go watch depressing crap. They listen to depressing music. They listen, you know, whatever I, I put on a good book. I'll listen to a good podcast. I'll, you know, I'll put on uplifting music. I'll get up and I'll just walk around. I'll go jump on my treadmill. I do something to change my state between my six inches between my ears. And I'm not telling you I'm perfect. I'm telling you I work at it because the climb is worth it. Being camp sucks. And it, it, it you know, 
there's point in times in all our lives that we're camped, all of us, even today in my life, but that a camping can still be effective, right? If it's done correctly, I know that the climb is still in my visuals. It's still between, it's not in my blinders, it's in my visual. I camp, I move on. I learn things that I can do to change my state, that change my associations who I communicate to, who I listen, who I watch, and the list goes on. And I'm not sitting here trying to preach at anybody. I practice this stuff every moment of every day. And the simple things like telling myself and telling others that I don't have bad days changed was one of the biggest shifts in state of my mindset. But the biggest thing that you're doing is you're addressing it and you know that you're not perfect. And, and that's, that could be a whole nother podcast because we could talk about that because a lot of us, and I say a lot of us, it, however you want to define it, we do not actually take it head on. There's a lot of people that live in the past and let the past define their current day and their future. And they wonder why they're not getting anywhere in life or things are not changing. It's always woe was me. And if you continue to let that past define you, that's all you're getting. I mean, we could go into the whole secret universe. I mean, your inner, your outer, there's so many things to talk about, but it ultimately is what you put out today is creating your future for tomorrow and five minutes from tomorrow, uh, you know, Tuesday. But if you don't actually start changing that mindset of yours, that I'm defeated or my past is defining me for today, you're going nowhere in life. You're going to be that camper. And it's like, I don't get why people don't understand that piece that, a little work into your current day, shifting your mindset, like you said, changing, you know, having a horrible day to a bad moment and shifting that mindset is a lot easier than you think if you keep on doing it. And you're not going to be perfect because none of us are. But at the end of the day, if you start working at it slowly but surely and not giving up on yourself, things change. Uh, and you know, what does our society do when people live in the past past is you know a lot of people don't get the difference between anxiety and depression anxiety is a future driver depression is the past so they yep. they get depressed and they're stuck on that hamster wheel and they go talk to their doctor who really has his own stuff going on and what does he do he writes you a script yep or he shifts you off to a specialist that really has their own challenges and they you a script or they send you to a professional to talk to that listens to you and really you have no um, and again i'm not against that industry i have a lot of friends that are psychiatrists psychologists there there's really effective ones but there's a lot of ineffective people in that industry just like my industry there's a lot of ineffective people and you know here let's put a band-aid on it take this medication i have somebody in my own family one of my kids that's that's suffering that and the medical industry over medicated her right and she's my oldest and it caused a lot of challenges for her that now she's going to have for the rest of her being over medicated what if all she would you know and, and unfortunately as a dad i can't coach her it's it's almost impossible yeah if she, if if she could have a mentor that would teach her those little small baby steps so listeners everything stop stops in your life being bad, when you start taking positive little baby steps, you can't just all of a sudden, you know, people will take a course, an online course that I'll talk to, or they'll grab a book, or they'll listen to, you know, a podcast, and they'll get a little morsel of information that maybe can help them with their lives. 
and they expect that back to that instant gratification now not necessarily for materialism but for their mental mindset it takes time you're gonna get you're gonna trip part of me you're gonna skin your knees you're gonna get back up you're gonna always reevaluate. I'm constantly always reevaluating my associations. And again, associations aren't just who I talk to, it's what I read, what I watch, what I'm doing. And I'll go, why didn't I catch that a year ago or a month ago when I reevaluated? Because I don't always wait a year, I reevaluate. And it's it's a humbling moment to have to, you know, give myself a mental slap and go, you know, like, what, what am I doing? You know? Yes. I know better than that. My point is, is I'm human, right? I fall back, I get up and I climb. And we all, we all make those mistakes. It's that old adage of it's not giving up. It's getting back up and moving forward. And most people just give up when they can't uh, get that instant gratification. I don't know if we talked about it on our call, but I, I we might've, I was coaching a gentleman and I, and I say gentleman, he's young. He's probably early twenties. He's working his nine to five job. He has a great idea for his, for a business and he started a side hustle, but he thinks that side hustle should start generating the millions of dollars right out of the shoot without having a business plan or understanding how it's going to go to market. And, and just so many questions I asked him and he's like, well, look at you. And I said, let me tell you something. I'm an eight year overnight success. And I say that, I say that loosely. You want to know why? I, I, I chuckle I, on that too, because I hear it all the time. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you're so lucky. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? I've got two failed businesses that almost put me into bankruptcy prior to this. I worked in corporate America for almost 25 years. Corporate America taught me how to be fat and happy, never taught me how to fish. So guess what? I failed at my first two businesses. I had to reinvent myself and understand what I wanted to do in life. Uh, I, I didn't want to go after the G word, as I say, greed, because the first two businesses were all about money instead of finding a passion, monetizing it and going after what I really wanted to do. And he thinks that since uh, what he sees and what I put out is just easy peasy lemon squeezy type of thing. I tell him it's not, there's nothing easy about I, what I do. And he goes, well, your podcast seemed to be effortless, uh, excuse me, effortless. And I said, I'll be very upfront and honest with you. It is a struggle with the podcast because they're my passion projects. I have day jobs that I have to do and balance all this out. And there's sometimes I don't want to get on camera and on an audio and put a podcast out because I'm damn tired, but I have guests scheduled out till 2023 and I'm going to make sure that every single guest gets to put their, his or her message out to our listeners. Cause ultimately we're not touching one or two people. We want to touch thousands of people every single day. And this is how you do it. And it's not overnight. And I, and I explained to him, I don't know if you know this or not, but average podcast that's less than a year old, do you, how many downloads do you think they get per episode? No, goodness. I don't even know. Less than 20. Less than 20 yeah, downloads. So when doesn't I started, surprise me. When I started this podcast and my other, po my other podcast is four years old now, and that's, that's a whole nother game. This podcast is only roughly seven months old. When I started, I was getting 22. And I'm like, oh, I'm ahead of the game, you know? And I slapped it on pod match and we've gone from 22 23 now we're in the hundreds and now we're starting to push into the thousands and it's like it took a lot of work it's it's seven months of grinding it out with this pod uh, with this podcast to understand where it's at and there's so much more can be done and there's so much more i can learn but i don't pretend to know it all i i know very little 
having guests on like yourself helped me grow from a podcast perspective. I'm looking for a mentor like you you spoke about earlier. Haven't found one yet. And you say they're out there. I agree. There's there's mentors out there that that don't want anything back in return. Unfortunately, I haven't found a mentor that doesn't want something back in return. I've been looking, but I can look harder. I just haven't had enough time because I got my plate full with other things. So that's that's one of my goals on this time off that I'm taking is to find a mentor and see if I can find that individual that can help me take it to the next level. Yeah, and see, the mentor I talked about that's been friends of mine for 30 years, we go through time where we don't communicate. He doesn't necessarily mentor me in the fact that, well, this is what you should do with money. This is what you should do. He gives me ideas, and then he supports me. He communicates, you know, um, again, not as much as we used to. But, you know, the mentors that I have that are, I guess, an effective mentor where they're teaching me strategies and steps, yes, they want something, right? They're not working for free. I can't expect them to. Um, it's been tough because I mentor people. So with my financial and lifestyle coaching business in my own country, so in two of the two of the provinces I'm licensed, I do everything I talked about for free for my clients with the expectation that at the end there might be a transaction and a sale and I get a commission. Outside of that, I have to bill people because time really is elapsing for all of us. And if I give too much of my time away for free, then I'm taking it away from the customers that will pay me, that help me pay my bills, that help me continue to save for retirement, help out my kids when they're of the five kids, which happens quite frequently. More than people realize the younger generations need help. It's just, mm-hmm. it is what it is. I need it at one point in time, magnify how much they need help because they, they have even more of a struggle. They even have more of a mental demand on that instant gratification and bottom line, I'm just pushing forward. I'm doing whatever I help people and finding good mentorship. Like I'm in the process of hiring somebody because I want to magnify my speaking business. I've been speaking on stages in the finance world for the last 20 years, off and on, doing workshops, doing financial strategy sessions to groups of 40 to groups of hundreds to thousands. But my real passion is to get up on a stage and talk to people about what you and I are talking about has nothing yeah. to do directly with, to do with mindset. And I know that I'm struggling and weak in that area. And last year I paid somebody and I worked with them. Now I'm hiring somebody else to do even more stuff because I find even a mentor or a coach has an expiry date. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense, they, they do. you know, yeah. we haven't, I haven't expired dating with my clients and people I work with. So I, I'm looking at, I just interviewed a few people. I just had another call with a, uh, with a fabulous lady that I'm going to end up hiring to help me level up my speaking and course creation program. Cause I'm stuck in a rut. I can, sometimes it's hard to get over ourselves. You know what I mean by that? Oh, yeah. So I've been, I've been in a process for a year creating a course. Well, I'm stuck because I got all these other things. Like you mentioned, I got so much on my mental plate that it's starting to overflow that sometimes I need to sit back and go, Hmm, that's a weakness. Who can I find? But it's hard. Like you said, it can be hard to find people. It's almost impossible to find somebody that'll do it for nothing. Like I have coaching calls with people, even with yourself. I, I do it. I do, you know, I'll have calls with people an hour, two hours, 
for for nothing and I'll give them the basics. But once they expect more than the basics, then I, I I'll say to them, you know, I understand where you're coming from. You're trying to get on your feet. But meanwhile, if I give every way, thing away for free, then I struggle and fall backwards myself. So I do. I had a, I've had calls with people from the UK, from Australia. You know, like I don't automatically. I know some people will uh, just to have the first hour they want a thousand dollars or five hundred dollars or whatever, and it's like that's unrealistic. How are you? You're always segmenting and taking out the middle class and poor that really need to help, and you're only working with right. people that have some disposable money. Like that doesn't help either. So I yeah. always give out, I always give away time to people, you know, and, I, and then there, there is the odd case where I have, I'll be honest with you that I've just, I've continued to help them and not charge them because my heartstrings, right. Are just twing, twing. <laughs> like, I feel bad for them because I've been there. I've been that oh, yeah. person, right. Their story has to be really good though, before I'm giving them away my stuff for free. Right. But and it does. You know, oh, by all means. I mean, we have a nonprofit that we do that with, but. I'm not looking for a mentor to do it for free. I'm looking for the right mentor that brings the different skill set that I have. Am I willing to pay for it? Yes. But so far, like you said, most of the people that pitch themselves as a mentor, they want a thousand, two thousand dollars up front. And it's like, what do I get for your two thousand dollars? I mean, that's and then when I ask that question, they get offended. And it's like, oh, I hate you know that. I hate I, that. I know. If you can't, if you can't give me an elevator speech in 30 seconds of why I should pay you $2,000, you're not my mentor. I mean, you're not somebody, I mean, I'm not looking some for some fly by night type of people. And then, um, I can't remember the name of it. They, they reached out to me. Is it, is it kingdom or something? There's something out there going along. It, it's something around biblical it's kingdom, whatever. Oh. I don't know what it's called, but anyhow, they basically is is this networking of individuals that are supposed to be Christians, and they reach out and they said, "Hey, we want you to be part of this, and we'll we'll do all this, and we'll do that, and we'll help you with this, and help you with that." And then I said, "So how much is this uh, kingdom going to cost me?" And the guy got a little upset, and and, and I said, "I'm just being honest because I get plenty of people asking to be my mentor, but when it comes down to it, they want all this tons of money up front, but I don't get any, I I don't see any return because." You're not telling me anything new that I don't know already. And it's not that I'm trying to be a know-it-all. It's like, it just seems like they're snake oil salespeople. And yeah, it's like, you got, they got to elevate you. They got, they, they can't be dating. There's so correct. many posers out there. Posers yeah. that, that claim to do this and that they've accomplished nothing. They haven't been through the school of hard knocks like you or I, and, and, and I a hundred percent agree. I, so this person that I'm looking at hiring and I've challenged her numerous times. I've had more than a couple calls with her. Her discovery calls are usually a half hour. Our first one was like an hour and 45 minutes because we just wow. gelled. And I've asked her numerous questions. And she basically told me when we, we negotiated on the fee, why did we negotiate? Because she understood where I was coming from. I am a finance guy. I have a defined thing of money. And I understand the value of time and money. And she basically, the last time I communicated a few do, days ago, she says, I promise you, and she, it's going to be a contractual writing, contract, not just, you know, handshake, verbal, word of mouth, whatever, you know, and she said, well, I promise you that from this point to this point, you know, I'm going to do whatever it takes in between. Even if you throw something else at me, the end result is what I'm promising you. If it takes extra stuff that we've forgotten, I'm going to do it for you. And I said, perfect. 
That's what I wanted. I want somebody that's going to go that extra mile and realize that for certain people that they're going to coach or mentor, they're going to make a, a tremendous amount of money because it won't take a lot of effort. And then other people, they're not going to make as much because it's going to take some more effort. Why is that important? Because then they're doing it because they have a passion to serve. They know they need yeah. to make money to survive and pay staff because she has a staff of people that develop and do stuff for her. But she also knows that bottom line, the more she serves me, the more I'm going to tell others, especially when I love connecting people. Right. So Correct. that's the, it's hard. It's so hard to find people like that. And I've been struggling myself, Ryan. So I get where you're coming. Listeners, if you're having that challenge, you know, you're not alone. And it and it's uh it, it's tough and we're gonna have to wrap this up because we're going long here. But it, it's it's tough to find that. But if you're willing to put the time and effort in back into what we talked about earlier, it all works out. But you have to be persistent and consistent. And there's got to be some patience in there. And on this journey of being an entrepreneur or a human being, I'm the last person that talks about patience because my patience over the years have been, has been, I'll be honest, crappy. And I've wanted to get things like going like ASAP, but now that I've learned this journey that I've been on um, and the changes that I had to do in reflection of who I am and what I needed to become, my patience has gotten a lot better. But the other piece of it is, is I'm willing to look at my faults and say, okay, you've got some faults. Now, what are you going to do about it? Before I would be embarrassed or I wouldn't want to talk about them. Now I'm open and honest and talking about them because I think, I don't think I know it helps me grow as a person because I'm sharing how I feel, but what I need to work on, but it also puts me on the clock because when I, the more people I tell, the more people know, and the more that that story is going to come back. And then I can say I've evolved and I, and I can work on things and show people that. And that for me is, is progress because I'm willing to put my faults out there so other people understand uh that i'm not perfect you're not perfect they're not perfect but guess what we all can work on it and get better and life gets better yeah vulnerability is key and and you know you talked about the fact of uh you know uh what's the word you use now sorry you, you talked about the fact of patience well patience. you know what what is patience involving a lot of times it's a comparison game I became impatient or I become impatient and want things quicker because I've got that comparison game. I want my more listeners on my podcast. I want more sales of my book. I want more of this. I want more of that. It's always comparison to back what we talked about, wanting what the Smiths and Jones happen and have, yep. and I'll spend or do things that I shouldn't have done. And then all of a sudden I'm impatient and then it creates anxiety and <laughs> it's just, it's a, it's like a steamroller, right? And it's a, it's that hamster wheel that you talk about and we're all chasing, you know, this pie in the sky. But if you sit back and try to figure out and, and we'll wrap this up, but this is where I kind of wanted to end goals. If you don't have goals that are, you know, succinct, dated and ended. And, and when I say ended, as in, you know, if you accomplished it or not, because it's very um, to the point. And I don't like to use smart goals, even though that's, that's a great analogy. It's all about what works for you. I mean, one of my goals is I, I want to get to a thousand downloads of this podcast per episode by December. And when I said December, it's not, it's not that to me is not definitive enough. And I got pushback on that from a couple people that are in my inner circle, put a date out there, put a date, 
So what did I do? I picked the middle of the month because I know if I wait till the end of the year, my downloads go down because people are out not doing stuff. So I picked December 15th, 2022. I want to have a thousand downloads per episode. I put it out there and there we are, but that's, that's life. And if I don't accomplish it, okay, I'll go look at it and see what I can do, but I'm putting it out there because that's what I want. No, a hundred percent. You have to, you have to look at stuff and analysis of goals, whether you use a smart process, I talk about it in my book. Why do I talk about it? Because people don't even know the simplistic nature of setting any goals or any Correct. processes. And at least it's something they can Google. <laughs> they can Google how yes. you set a goal using smart and, and they can start on it. But yeah, without goals being measurable, it's, it's really hard. I look at the same sort of things. This is what I want to accomplish. And then I belong to a couple masterminds that we work together every two weeks and we keep each other on in sync on track. We help each other become accountable more so to ourselves. So, well, you said you were going to do that two weeks ago. Why haven't you done it? Right. It's not about putting people on the, on the spot to be mean. It's about, do you really want it? Well, then why did you say you were going to do it and you didn't do it? And I've, I've been caught. This is my second year on one of the masterminds and it, it happens. And I just, you know, I'm honest, vulnerable, and then they help you through it. Oh, what's going on mentally for you? Let's see if we can help you get past that roadblock so that you can complete it the next two weeks, right? So it's about who we associate with and then the processes of doing what's right for us, as you mentioned, when it comes to setting goals. Amen to all that. And that's great. Dwight, we've been uh, we've been rambling and talking about some great conversations. I've loved this. Uh, Got to wrap it up, though. But how can everyone get a hold of you? Best way to reach me is go to my website at giveaheck.com. Um, that you want there, you can reach out and find out about me in regards to anything that I do, from speaking to my book to coaching bottom of the of the just above the fold on the first screen you can find out all my social media to connect with me that's the best way to go go to giveaheck.com awesome we'll put that in the show notes too and link it there so people know how to get a hold of you dwight it's been a pleasure this has been a great conversation healthy uh you know what we need to do is once i can get uh, myself situated on my other side of my podcast chasing financial freedom love to have you come on there and uh, talk some more and get really into the nitty gritty on the financial side. Sounds great. I appreciate that, Ryan. Thanks for having me on. Thanks.